0: Welcome to Episode 84 of the Less Stress, More Fun Podcast. Must be nice. You are listening to the Less Stress, More Fun Podcast. I'm your host, Master Certified Coach Lisa Schwaller. Each week on the podcast, we talk about how you can rise above the stress of modern living so that you can focus your energy on what matters most and have a lot more fun in the process. All right. Let's get started. It's so nice to have you here. It really, really must be nice to be here. (laughs) So this is a phrase I used to hear when I was growing up. It was just seemed to be in the ether. It was all around me. Oh, so-and-so has a new car. Must be nice. So-and-so went on vacation. Must be nice. As in, nice for them, not so great for me. I don't get any of the goodies. That was kind of the message about must be nice. See, I didn't ever really get the impression that we were in one of the must be nice families. (laughs) Or at least that's how the story goes. I didn't go to the must be nice high school or have the must be nice experiences and things that some of the other people my age had. And what's really funny is this phrase popped up in my head while I was working on something a few weeks ago. It's like I all of a sudden heard the words come in, "Must be nice." <laughs> and and now obviously that phrase causes me to laugh because it's such a perfect example of how we're programmed. Um and I remember even as a child thinking, I don't know, maybe it is pretty nice. <laughs> I was a little bit of a cheeky child. I am certainly quite the same as an adult so we all know this we grow up in families of origin in certain types of communities and we learn how the world works from these communities that we're in as little children and our little children brains don't have the wide angle lens on life we don't have even all the cognitive processing that we have as adults So each one of us grows up with certain ideas of who has what, who deserves what, and so on. So that's really what we're going to be talking about is this idea of comparison. You know, when each one of us is thinking our own version of must be nice. But let's talk about how do we learn to compare and why? People compare. Our senses literally are scanning the world around us to look for similarities and differences, and nothing grabs our attention quite like other humans. We look for humans and what's similar and what's different, and are they part of us? Am I part of, you know, their group? We look for fairness because that's an indicator of status, and honestly, I I have a theory that almost everything that we desire and almost everything that gives us suffering has at least some connection to uh, what it causes us to perceive about our status in our group of either circumstance or choice. And let me be clear, when I say that, it doesn't mean that people are driven necessarily to seek power or wealth. But status is my way of describing fitting inness, or even more simply, values. So one person may value growing a million-dollar-a-year business, or a hundred-million-dollar-a-year business, while another person really values, you know, just a little bit of a different approach to life, or maybe even a frugal lifestyle. And these people may have strong opinions about why their way is best or even that their way is right for them and so when i th- when i think of status i really think it's just how people look at each other and what you value and what you know what they value and they sort of compare themselves to other people and it increases or decreases the opinion between people. So one person might look at someone else and, and think must be nice. And in that case, I actually think that form of comparison and that reaction is a way to say, "Oh, they must be of higher financial status. They have access to these experiences, but must be nice" was kind of this not so subtle way of recalibrating status, kind of putting them in their place. I teach three ways about comparison, and this is something I'm workshopping. So this is a little bit of a work in progress that I'm bringing to you today. Comparing and despairing, comparing and flaring, and comparing and inspiring. Let's start with the one that I think is the most familiar to most people, compare and despair. This is a phrase I started to hear about, oh, 15, 20 years ago. In a lot of the self-help circles, you'll hear about people describing the dangers of comparison. The danger! You're looking at another person's person, place, or things and desiring it for yourself. It could be desiring what they have for yourself. And then judging yourself harshly for not doing, being, or having what they do, be, or have. And that's the despair part of it. The inner turmoil you create when you react to comparing yourself to someone else with internal criticism. Now, if you're in that phase where you're comparing and despairing here are a few practical tips for you. I think the beautiful thing about compare and despair, I just love that it rhymes and that it includes the word despair. It sounds so dire. But really, you know, compare and despair, compare and desire, right? You're just connecting to the desire that your mind is expressing for you. It Maybe you do want what they have or who they are or what they do. And it may just be a simpler desire that you felt more lovable for what you are, have, and do. So it could be like a a longing, oh, I wish I had that. Or it could be a longing of, I wish I felt like my situation was okay. The next compare dyad that I invented... (laughs) is uh this is this I invented I call it compare and flare um well it rhymes I love that it rhymes all the time and this is when you find yourself or a person finds themselves comparing to what another person is does or has and the reaction is not just despair oh woe is me i'm so filled with longing or self-loathing compare and flare is like not fair. You flare into anger or injustice or self-righteousness. Well, she's got small bones, so it's not fair that I would be expected to look like that. My bones are just so dang big. Or, well, of course, they went to blah, 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 highbrow university, instead of where I went, which was got a pulse in a checkbook university. So of course, they'd get better options for interviews and jobs. It's just not fair. (laughs) Boo-hoo. Oh, I love dramatizing these. I was in elementary school when I started seeing therapists. What was really funny is they used a lot of adult uh, analogies and discussions, which... I was a pretty bright kid, but, you know, I had a hard time keeping pace with what they were actually trying to tell me. And one of my first therapists told me there are two kinds of fairs, state and county. (laughs) And that may be true. I can't really endorse this as a therapeutic approach because when we're in compare and flare, ah, not fair. Why do they get da-da-da and I don't? Why do they, you know, in this case... I felt like the dynamics between me and my younger brother were really confusing. We were held to very different standards and I was hurting, but a lot of times when I am hurting, it comes out like like rage and self-righteousness. Logic rarely diffuses emotional pain in my experience and working with people and their minds. So when you're in compare and flare, or you're in a conversation with somebody who isn't comparing flair themselves, it may not be useful to use logic. You know, there's only two kinds of fairs, state and county. Very clever, but it didn't address um, my my deep sense of not being seen or loved for who I am versus what I did. And you may find that if you're talking to someone in compare and flare, including yourself, that the most humane and compassionate way to engage is by saying, oh, tell, yeah, what, what is that like for you? Not necessarily asking them to tell you more of the story or to defend it, but, you know, getting to the personal angle, that can be helpful. You know, that hurt part of you wants to tell its story. Maybe there's a perceived loss or grief. Life isn't fair, but what specifically is hurting and why? Please don't shame yourself or others with all of your fancy logic. And I think there are more than two fairs. There's Renaissance fair too. All right, we are moving into the third form of comparison But let me just plant a question in your mind. How can you compare in a way that benefits you and others? I think that question is really kind of mind-blowing for some people. We are so often taught, don't compare yourself to others. It's unhealthy to compare yourself to others. But I disagree. Which brings me to the other form of comparison that, again, I totally invented. Compare and inspire. Now, I didn't invent the activity of it. But I was thinking they're actually really beneficial, healthy, constructive, even ways to compare yourself or compete in ways that are actually for your benefit or for mutual benefit. And that is where I was thinking about, yeah, if you're comparing yourself and you feel inspired to try something new or try something um, different that grows you, that's wonderful. Compare and inspire. I have heard and read that men tend to compare themselves to people and be motivated to grow. Women tend to compare and be motivated to shrink or be unkind to themselves. So uh, a man may look at uh, a man in a certain physical condition and be like, man, I'd like to look like that. And they might find themselves inspired to make some changes to you know, their diet and exercise plans, where a woman might see a woman in great shape and think, oh, I just, you know, like, oh, she has such, you know, awesome biceps and mine are just these droopy little sad things. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it's, it's interesting to think about this being somewhat gendered in socialization of, you know, maybe current or previous generations. How do you compare and inspire? Is that something that you've ever noticed inside yourself? I have a really, really fun activity. This is something I assign as homework very often. It's something that I teach on. It is probably one of my favorite things. I don't know. um, I'm sure that this is not necessarily original to me, but I love it so much. I've really put a very original spin on it. And this is a Beautiful, beautiful way to use compare and inspire. So this is the advisory committee board. (laughs) In my business, it's like, oh, you know, in a large business, you may have a board of directors. And these are people cross, you know, disciplinary, cross-functional people who come together to look at the, the performance and the aspirations of the business and offer suggestions and refinement. It's quite an honor to be on a company or organization's board of directors. And I thought, you know, sometimes being a solopreneur is a little bit of a lonely gig. And I would love to have a meeting. And so I created one. The way it works is that I will have a group of six to eight people on the board. And there is always one person on the board whose opinion is very, very valuable. And that's me in one year. As the owner of the organization, it's my responsibility to show up to the advisory board with a well-formed question. And then each one of my advisors give me an answer. Now, here's the most fun part. It's all in my head. And my advisors are global luminaries and i rotate them out. They come in and then when i'm like, you know, i think i want to shake it up, i'll disband that board and form a new one, but i've had Abby Wambach on my board, Oprah, Matthew McConaughey, Sarah Blakely. I once had what i just affectionately one uh group was the writers. It was Malcolm Gladwell and Stephen Pressfield and James Patterson. The three of them would answer the question at the same time and the volley between them was just intellectually scintillating. It was Amazing. It's an amazing experience. And I used to do it every single week, and now I do it, you know, maybe every three or four weeks because now they're kind of in my mind. When I come with a well formed question, not only do I have Master Coach Lisa Schwaller in my head and Master Coach Lisa Schwaller in a year ready with a suggestion, I also have access to all of these people who inspire me to reach different heights. So do do I compare myself to Sarah Blakely in, in ways that I think are inspirational? So I offer that to you. Who can you compare yourself to for inspiration? And And as you go out into the world this week, what I really encourage you to do is to notice where your mind naturally goes. Does it go to compare and despair, you know, activating this longing or sense of, or like a decrease in your self-worth? Do you compare and flare? It's not fair. Well, we can't expect to be held to the same standards, that kind of thing. Or do you have a disposition to compare and inspire? Is that something you do naturally? And when you think for yourself, how do you want to use this human capability and tendency to compare. Because it can be such a fun lever to play with. And you may be inspired to start your own advisory board. Wouldn't that be great? This is something that I plan to turn into a course because I think it would be such a fun learning experience to really dive deep Please reach out if you have suggestions or feedback on ways that you're experiencing this teaching, suggestions for refining it. I would love it. I would love to compare notes with you. Oh, it was so fun to talk to you about comparison. I think comparison must be nice. And I hope you do, too. Until next time. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review wherever you listen. This will help other listeners find the show and bring less stress, more fun out into the world. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you next week.